Welcome to the CTG Nation podcast, episode 32. I got Thomas from Valkyrie with me today. What's going on, brother? And not a whole lot. Happy to be here. Yeah, no, you got a whole lot going on. Don't downplay it. Don't <laughs> okay, downplay we got, it. We got a shit ton of stuff. <laughs> You've been busy as hell. Let's, um, let's, let's be real. It, yeah. So I finally got, uh, you know, Thomas hooked up with uh, all the technology side of this podcast stuff. We're still not, uh, you know, 100% dialed in, but we're going to get <clears throat> basically, we're talking about this kind of um, offline how we're going to get all of us on anchor where we can all be in our individual homes because we're not going to be able to meet up all the time. I mean, I've been, I, I, I've been told that I just submitted the, uh, the, the timesheet with the most hours of all time. Uh, you've been, at, you've been pumping the, them out, man. Yeah, at the, at the county. Well, at work, work. Um, I've put in like the most hours like ever recorded apparently. So, <laughs> so on top of doing work. <laughs> yeah. So that being the job job. And then, I mean, we kind of slowed down with the podcast. We we're doing kind of two, two a week there for a little bit. Um, there was a stretch where I was having to do them by myself. Um, and that got, that, that got a little rough um, because the kind of stuff we talk about and the topics um, that we talk about, um, just, it's, it's, it's hard with one person. Um, so we backed off to one a week, um, and it's been pretty good. Um, and then I don't know, maybe after we get some sponsorships or, you know, some people's, uh, careers kind of slow down. Cause I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, Corey always has something new going on. You always have something new going on. We stay busy. Uh, you know, Brewer, Brewer just went to a new department. Um, Bobby's, Bobby's schedule is inherently crazy because of what he does. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of the most settled. So that's how I get to push all of this more, more often. Um, because I mean, I know I get onto your butt about like posting stuff for the business. And... Yeah, I suck at it. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, one well, of these days I need somebody to manage Instagram, Facebook, all social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, suck yeah. at it. Yeah. Um, I mean, shit. It's not even that you got to be good at it. It just has to be consistent. Consistency. Um, just yeah, just consistent material, really. Because you have the material. I mean, shit. I've been in multiple of your classes by now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Consistency is a where it lacks. Yeah, no, it's definitely kind of hard with um, you know, a small business, especially when it's technically a side hustle, regardless of how big it is. Like if you're not doing it full time, it's it's a side hustle. It's a part time job. Um, but the big thing I wanted to hit on first with y'all was the huge success y'all had with your K nine uh, TECC yeah. class. Um, so kind of give a rundown of that, uh, how many people you had. I mean, it sold out really quick. You had people from uh, beyond the Southeast and outside of South Carolina, obviously. Um, and this was, what, the only the second one that y'all ran ever? Yeah, so it's the uh, second one we hosted. We had people from uh, as far as New Jersey and Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, some great law enforcement agencies were there, including uh, Richland County, Calhoun County, mm-hmm. uh, which, was, which is awesome to have uh, – outside counties come in um the 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 brains behind it were uh, shane himes and andrew scott they're in the uh out towards the beach in the charleston area 
And then uh, combining Brewer with his canine knowledge just made it, just took it one more step. It was uh, just an awesome class. And I, I was amazed by it. We, uh, we sold out within the first uh, month of posting it. Yeah. So we had uh, 25 people total. Uh, Spartanburg County sent three of their uh, handlers that were uh, trained for search and rescue. Mm-hmm. We had a uh, canine group um, from actually South Carolina come and attend. So, I mean, it was, it was awesome. So for people that maybe haven't taken the regular TECC class and knows, you know, what that all implies, um, how is that structure for canine, if different at all? Yeah, so uh, TECC, once again, came from the military's TCCC, which is Tactical Combat Casualty Care. And then uh, when they made TECC, it was (laughs) Tactical Emergency Casualty Care. Um. Biggest things is just, you know, stop the bleed is the uh, the main focus. So what we talk about in our classes is you can have a paramedics who jam up at being medics, but that's not what you need. That That's not what you need in that in that situation in the field. Um, you know, the biggest thing is some of the best medics I've ever met were 18-year-old combat medics in the Army. And, you know, I'm sure you saw the same thing where all they did was focus on the basics. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what saves lives. Yeah. Um, so – our, uh, with our TECC class, you know, we push the basic stop the bleed stuff. So tourniquets, chest seals, um, wound packing and pressure dressings. So that's kind of applying the same, same algorithms to canine TECC. Right. And y'all actually have a, uh, I mean, not necessarily a veterinarian on staff, but you have a veterinarian that actually reviewed this material. We did. So uh, part of Shane's uh, big push was he went and got certified as a vet tech. So mm-hmm. he he had to go and search out everybody throughout the state. And he's honestly uh, leading in the state for pre-hospital care for canines. He uh, mm-hmm. did a lot of research. He did a lot of homework. And it's just been nonstop. But he can actually, uh, between the coordination from the vet and from the uh, med- medical director, he can push drugs in the field, which is huge, mm-hmm. especially uh, sedatives. Um, kind of, uh, get you know, calm, calm the dog because you got to think in an emergency, the dog's going to be amped up, the handler's amped up. Yeah. So just just having that alone is a big deal. But knowing how to properly handle your canine, set up your uh, vehicles to where you can transport them, everything that he does from start to finish is just huge. Right. And you know so, when we uh, when we push out the uh, you know the description, it's pretty easy. It's an all hazards training program. It uh, sets the canine handler and even a tactical medical provider for success when they're dealing with injured canines. So the uh, the canine handler will learn provide that emergent care in the field from the point of injury to the vet. So of course your you know your advanced care is going to be the vet, um, but what happens in between is crucial. Uh, it, we push that whole stress inoculation. Uh, putting them in the field, completing the canine care as a team, uh, putting them through challenging scenarios where they apply the evidence-based training and just the whole preparation of best practices and teamwork to kind of build that foundation to where they can save their uh, partner and best friend's life. Right. Yeah, I think it's such, it's just such an easy sell to me, and that's why I'm not surprised that it sold out so quickly because because of that intimate relationship between the actual canine and the canine handler. Um I mean, I've never been in a professional uh, 
canine profession, but I mean, I've always been a dog person. I've always raised right. my dogs and trained my dogs. And well, it's I mean, crazy it's pretty, how it's crazy it's pretty, how it's just there's not a big standard for it. I mean, so you know, trying to push it across South Carolina, this is it's weird that this is the push that it hasn't been implemented before. But there's right. a lot of agencies that don't even have canine, you know, first aid kits. Right. So if you're running a dog as a handler, you need to be prepared for whatever you reach. Uh, one of the cool things that Shane just did was he pushed out a uh, implementation plan for the state. So if uh, anybody out there that wants to kind of start, doesn't know where to start, enlist it from A to Z on how to identify your law enforcement needs uh, medical-wise, uh, pushing out first aid kits, what they recommend, pushing out uh, local laws to familiar- familiarize yourself with, uh, with the codes and regulations. Right. Um, talking about guidelines and best practices, talking to your vet. A lot of places don't even, uh, don't even have a 24 hour vet. So what's your closest 24 hour vet? A lot of the, a lot of the groundwork is just having a plan. And we, yeah. we've talked about that in other, in other conversations is simply having just a case plan, you know, what to do for A, B, C, and D. Yep. Um, that's huge. A lot of people don't, don't think that far into it. Um, getting the medical training that you need. So, it's one thing having the equipment. It's another thing knowing how to use it. Right. Uh, talking out all the logistics of what you need to do uh, to implement it. Um, once again, just re- uh, pre-planning. Pre-planning is huge. Firefighters do it all the time. Um, you know, high-performing SWAT teams, they pre-plan target areas, but knowing what to do, where to do it, th- that you're operating within your AO, your area operation, you should know <clears throat> kind of all the ins and outs, best routes, what what agencies what canine vet clinics are open 24 hours um if you if you live in anderson county your your closest uh going on civilian side but your closest level one trauma center is over 45 minutes away so kind of knowing the same applying that same methodology to canine so hey if your nearest vet clinic which is open 24 hours is 45 minutes away how are you getting them there do you have a, a local agreement with the helicopter do they, you know, are they going to fly a canine? It's having those simple conversations before mm-hmm. it happens. Yeah. Cause I've noticed a lot of those places that say they're 24, the, it's just a guy or gal that has like the cell phone that just does it like you're on call. Right. Right. It's not really, Hey, it's not like you think of 24 seven, like, you know, like a full-time firehouse where there's always somebody at the firehouse or a full-time, like, uh, you know, EMS kind of outpost or whatever, depending on where you're at in the state. <clears throat> like right. most of those 24 hour vet places aren't like that. It's just, you know, somebody's like on call, like on their phone. So they'd have to, they'd have to get there from wherever they live at. Are um, they in town? Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah you like, got Have that plan A, B and C where if you call them and they're not in town, then what's the plan? Uh, right. Then where are you going? Yeah. It's like what you're going to, you know, run code for an hour to, wherever the next closest one is or yeah, or worse, get there and, and it be closed. Right. Right. Um, so what are some differences between a canine TEC class and, a and like a human, like what's kind of the, the differences there with how anatomy. anatomy. <laughs> so, yeah. So besides your basic anatomy, um, yeah, the, I mean, some of the basic things that are similar is, you know, being prepared, having that uh, knowledge and having your uh, kit already pre-planned. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the anatomy is different. They don't, they don't bleed like humans. Um, mm-hmm. The, um, I mean, gosh, there's, there's, there's a lot different, honestly. I mean, 
every you're not you're not going to put a cat tourniquet on it. I mean, it's just a uh, little right. things. I mean, Shane, Shane, and uh, Andrew, and definitely Brew now can uh, talk a lot more on uh, on the canine side. Uh, you know, I'm not going to yeah. I'm not going to pretend to be the uh, the expert yeah. in canine stuff. I'm not, but that's why that's why they're there. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, like with uh, I mean, that's always one that I always think of is uh, with the tourniquets. I mean, yeah. What do you? I mean, I've seen where, um, you know, the <clears throat> people have pushed the the rat or rapid um, a tourniquet. Uh, you know, that one's always still up to debate. Garbage. Fun of. Garbage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've seen that one. I've seen that one be pushed as kind of the 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 quote tourniquet for um, you know dogs and even smaller children and stuff and i mean i don't know how much truth there is to that but because i mean yeah, what I mean, would you do for something like that to stop the bleed for a dog so a lot of it is you know direct pressure mm-hmm. um it depends where the bleed is the uh the swat t tourniquet is absolutely garbage for a human but uh it has its practicalities for a canine mm-hmm. um but he even listed out during his uh during his class but just like standard uh standard operating procedures he has what uh paramedics can do and what handlers can do in different colors um even as simple as fluid resuscitation um where a handler can administer normal saline uh if they're trained you know um you know kind of how how they can do that how how they can rehydrate their dog how they can rapidly cool them um even narcan if your dog uh, gets in gets in something they shouldn't so uh yeah I mean, it talks about a lot. Talks about putting a soft muzzle on the dog, you know, especially if they're injured, they're amped up. Right. Um, but a lot of the basic things for people wanting to start is that easy groundwork that you know that they don't think about, kind of. And that that's where this uh this document. It's a six page document that uh, Shane made, but it kind of just lists it out. And we're gonna try to push that out to uh, to everybody in the state to give them a uh, just an equal equal playing field on how to how to start a good canine program. Yeah, because there's so many places that have <clears throat> so many dogs, so many different type of dogs, uh, so much money and time goes into these animals, and then it's like, it's like, whoa, wait, you don't have any med yeah. plan for this dog if it gets hurt, like, no, like nothing, and they're just like, oh, well, we would just get him as fast as we, you know, get him to the closest vet as fast as we can, and I was like, that's it. And it's, uh, it's like, those plans with the holes that when something bad happens, you realize that you weren't prepared. And that's kind of why this program started up was uh, Andrew Scott went up to Shane and uh, they had a canine that fell off a tower, broke broke its legs, broke ribs. Uh, nobody on scene knew how to handle it. Uh, the EMTs didn't know what to do. The handler didn't know what to do. They, they put it in a car. They went up to the vet. I think the vet was uh, closed. I mean, it's just a series of catastrophic events and, Right. Once those dominoes start falling, you, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to get in front of it. You need to be proactive rather than reactive. Yeah. Well, that's always a constant battle in first response. It's like, oh, you don't need this. You don't need that. The budget's too tight. This is, you know, until somebody gets fucked up, that's when changes right. happen. And then like, damn, how, how could we have prevented this? Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I even, talk about stuff like that just in general conversation um kind of a recent thing now is just how you handle certain events just within your shift it's like yeah. you know hey man what are you comfortable doing i'm comfortable doing this hey like 
what kind of med gear do you have in your car? What kind of extra ammo do you have in your, you know, where is it? Um, is everybody's stuff set up the same? Just yeah, all that kind of spitballing, just, I don't know, just people just don't like to do it. But hey, the, the, those little, uh, those little conversations, what makes a big difference, especially yeah. on your shift, knowing, you know, where, where does your partner keep their Narcan? Where, where do they keep their, uh, their IFAC? Yeah. Uh, even, even in a, uh, canine where, if something happens where the handler's down, does does the rest of his crew know how to handle his dog? Right, because that dog's gonna be mad. It's gonna be protective. Yeah, because um, so we've got, got to... yeah, because we've got one dog where she's a crazy bitch. I don't know how else to put it. And uh, if uh, you know her handler goes down, I mean, I don't know what would happen. I mean, I don't want to. Right. So, I, I so the... <laughs> no. That, that, oh. That's a good conversation to have. That's a, where that handler should get with, especially the other <clears> handlers <throat> and even patrol officers. And be like, hey, here's the deal. You guys know how my dog is. If something happens to me, you're going to get in my car. You're going to get the bite sleeve. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it should be a pre-planned thing to where it's not it's not a surprise. On yeah. oh, hey, what 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 do we do now? Yeah, yeah, and you have to do that for. I mean, I think for any emergency, everybody needs to have kind of that baseline. If it's for on your shift with a canine, you know, how does fire work with, uh, how does fire work with law enforcement? I mean, that, then, that's crazy. That's crazy by itself. How many agencies yeah. in South Carolina don't work with each other? It's that bridge in the yeah. gap, which, which is, yeah. I don't, I don't know why, but there, there's a huge gap where people just don't like to work together. Right. Yeah. I think I'm, um, I'm very fortunate with where I'm at. Uh, I mean, we had our recent um, kind of standoff um, that, you know, we had an EMS unit there. There was a couple of fire units there. It was kind of mine and my partner's call. We were like initial contact and all that. And it, um, I mean, we ended up out there for seven hours, but the, the op itself and how it progressed was, I mean, I don't want to say it was perfect, but it was, it was very good. Um, and that's just whatever that situation, whatever that situation was, is, um, the personnel we had and how people handled stuff. Like there was no egos. Um, you knew who had what, um, for material things and for experience. Um, I love it it when a plan comes together. Dude, it just makes a huge, it just makes (laughs) such a huge fucking difference, man. Um, cause there was, I mean, you just put the wrong person in the wrong place or a different shift. And I mean, um, you know, it could have, it could have ended a lot differently. I mean, I mean, we didn't, the, the sheriff's office did not shoot a live round that hold that whole time. It was all non-lethals. We even used sled, um, and their little, their little robot, yeah, and it um it just just makes a big difference, and everybody knows their fucking role and what the options are. Was there a uh, was there a, a hot wash or an after action review afterwards? Um, not with me because I was I was literally it was my call. Um, so I was first on scene, and we still had to work the next day. Right. So I didn't actually leave scene till maybe 1 a.m., 1.30 in the morning, and we had to work day shift the next day. So after uh, after the, the op ended, 
um, and, the, and the suspect was arrested, we were the first to leave. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure what kind of, you know, after action or hot wash was held right. after that, but. I think in I mean, general, I mean, in general, across emergency services, I think that's the one thing I'd like to see is just more of a, even even a quick hot wash on scene or a critical stress debrief to where, you know, the, the group talks about, you know, hey, what happened? Let everybody process it. Because, you know, a lot of things could have different outcomes. Yeah. And you know as well as I do, people process it differently. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think um, the – I mean, we had the sheriff out there. I mean, we had yeah. the, the, I mean, the top like 10 people of the whole sheriff's office were there, um, <clears throat> you know, all the way down to me. And I think I was probably the newest person on scene um, to, to this location, not like the newest, like in law right. enforcement or with any type of experience. But um, so I'm sure there was some type of after action with, you know, the uppers. Um. But I mean, I know I still have to. Uh, to uh, I've talked to some people about it, but I haven't talked to the the upper right. levels that I need to talk about. You know, just me with with my personal goals that I want to do at the sheriff's office and being kind of on the on the wait list to get on the SRT and all that, so I can kind of understand. Hey, why did we make this decision? Right. And then why did it take so long? Why did you do this instead of that first? Um. And I, but, I, I mean, definitely I, read about it. You guys, you guys did good work. Yeah, awesome. I mean, it was um, good outcome. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you wanted. Like, could it have gone faster? Did we need to contact Sled? I mean, did you know? There's, there's, um, you know, just experience there that just by default, me being just a thirty-year-old man with less than ten years of experience in law enforcement is not going to have compared to a lot of the other saltier dogs we had on. <laughs> I just right. put it, I just put it that way, but all right. Well, I like it. I hope you sell out of that canine class like every damn yeah, time. Um, That's awesome. So the next thing, what's the next, I think I know what the next thing is on the horizon, but um, with the SWAT comp, but if you want to hit on that and then anything else you got planned, uh, you know, through the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, as you said, I'll, I'll dip into the SWAT competition, but, uh, that's exciting. We're, uh, we're excited to get that kicked off off the ground. It's going to be a Thanksgiving weekend, which is, mm -hmm. uh, November 26th and 27th at the mm -hmm. sawmill tactical training center or complex mm -hmm. in, uh, Lawrence County. Mm -hmm. But that's exciting. I'm, uh, I'm ready for it. So there hasn't been anything like that in the state competitively wise for a while. Um, but as you know, competition breeds improvement, but it's also getting, getting all these, uh, getting all these teams together. Uh, and what we say is the, uh, the whole, uh, competition test the teams on their tactical and technical proficiency. We're going to have seven different events, uh, but they'll, they'll give agencies across the state, the privilege and opportunity to work together, to network, to learn and enjoy that friendly competition. They can, mm -hmm. uh, they can share their, uh, share their tactics techniques. Uh, once again, we're, we just want to promote that high level of uh, tactical skills, mental focus, and the physical endurance needed for high performing teams. Yeah. And I like how this competition is probably going to bring teams together that absolutely wouldn't come together otherwise, because um, within, 
yeah, sometimes alphas stay away from alphas and on more of the admin side of it. Um, and, I, and I personally kind of view this as kind of like a administrative excuse, but I mean, within South Carolina, there's three, you have three tiers of right. SWAT or SRT or ERT or whatever the fuck your department's going to call it. Um, and if somebody's in a different tier, they don't like training with the other one. Which is stupid. I mean, you should, you um, should encourage that more. Right. Cause we, um, my department is technically not tiered at all. We don't have the capabilities to be tier three, um, which is the lowest uh, by, I believe it's state standards and it probably right. comes from some type of federal standard also. Um, but there are departments very close to us that are tier one or damn near tier one. If they just have to get one type of personnel or one type of type of equipment to get there. Um, and they're like, Oh no, we can't actually physically train with y'all. Y'all can come and observe. Silly. Um, but that's it. And I'm like, I'm like, Whoa, like that's it. Why, like, why you, would you not want to raise the standard around you? Right. Why do you not want somebody that's right next to you? to be just as good and have the similar capabilities in case you need some fucking help. Um, you know, maybe you're not gonna, you know, if you're, if you're a lower tier or not tiered and you're trying to train with a tier one team, it's like, okay, maybe you're not going to put the untrained dudes like on a helo or have them repelling from, you know, more than three stories or four stories or something like that. Uh, or if it's some type of water op, like something, Right, like, go, go to your certain, disciplines. Yeah. Right. If there's if, if there's a certain level of skill set that's not there, okay. But saying that you can't train at all, like y'all can't even go and do drills together at a flat range somewhere, fuck off. That's stupid. Scared. Hoard, hoard knowledge. Scared. Correct. So. So no. Hopefully think, this this puts down those barriers. Let let these teams work together. Uh, I think right. that uh, even your command across the state will see the benefit of getting all these people together, letting them, let them train. Uh, it's awesome for, uh, for morale, just kind of getting around like-minded individuals doing your thing, doing, doing what you love the most. So right. I think, it'll, I think it'll be awesome. Yeah, no, I think it'll definitely bring some people together and kind of open some eyes. And um... so there, there's a SWAT summit, but it kind of more focuses on just uh, more just skills and kind of, techniques but this is going to be just a competition where as i said it, it puts you it puts it to the test it puts puts your team to the test you might you might think you have the best team but till you actually get tested and go up against other high performing teams it's, it's a game changer yeah we'll open some eyes because it's something you don't i don't know you don't really compare your team you don't really compare a swat team to another swat team right you know that, that comparison and that competition is just non-existent in your head you might be fucking awesome yeah, no, and I mean it's and it's no, it's and it's fucking true because I mean you'll um, I mean and it's so easy to expose even um, even on flat ranges and you know stuff that we have to do within our department with um, you know with our standard uh, pistol and rifle qual, but then we also have a modified uh, a modified pat test with shooting involved. Um, and you might think you're okay at shooting until you run, you know, a full pat, which isn't even that long for everybody that knows what it is. Like if you're really flying, you're like hitting right at a minute or right over a minute. 
Um, and that's not even that fast, but it'll look that fast compared to everybody else, either because they're just a fat piece of shit or don't give a fuck. Um, but once you get flying around and you're breathing heavy, and then you got to do, you know, so many rounds on the AR and you got to manipulate that and your fingers aren't fucking working because you're breathing hard and you're sweaty and you're not used to stress inoculation. Then you got to go to the shotgun and you got to load shells and your fingers aren't fucking working. And then some people are used to shooting steel and not shooting steel. Yeah. And it's like, okay, do I need to get in this other position? Like, and I even oh, said it. And I even this, said it this, fast. This like isn't, that this isn't the training course that I normally do. Right. Like, yeah. So, um, no, it's going to be good. Yeah. It'll, it'll, I hope it makes some motherfuckers uncomfortable. It should. I really hope it does because that's what makes you, uh, you know, train harder, um, reprioritize your training, your budgets, um, even to the type of personnel you might have in, you know, certain roles that you're like, oh, wow, maybe this isn't the right person for this job because of what I saw yeah. at the competition or this conference or this really good conversation I had with somebody, you know, that night back at the hotel after the comp or because all that conversational and sharing information stuff, you don't have to have, you know, a little sit down formal conference that's just PowerPoints and you have the little luncheon and the bullshit. Like, I mean, that's cool and that's good. And we've all been doing it for for fucking ever in every discipline but until you actually you know expose it um not necessarily in the field but in some type of competition you're just you're just not going to see it and it's not going to open your eyes no i'm excited so uh just kind of give you a rundown of the course without giving away too much mm-hmm. uh, it'll, be, it'll be a two-day competition mm-hmm. um start off with a registration check-in uh the first thing is going to be that phys- physical endurance challenge it's going to be you know that run you have team weight so it's going to be a telephone pole, some sandbags, ammo cans with rocks, water jugs, mm-hmm. a dummy. Mm-hmm. Uh, go through the obstacle course that we have pushed out there. There's going to be stations set up throughout that obstacle course where you have to complete some things. Uh, one of them is even that basic uh, box of whatever weapons your teams carry and putting them together, doing a punchance check, moving on, uh, just making sure you're good weapon assembly. Uh, going to, to the repelling tower, uh, re- two-person repel, a uh, combatives lane where you're uh, – doing ground grappling uh, for your weapon, uh, stress shoot on the range, which will be big, especially that uh, transition from pistol to rifle, uh, and then the best sniper competition. Also, uh, day two, you'll get the uh, assault on the objective, so you'll have a, uh, a mission. Uh, you'll have to breach, breach and enter. Uh, once you get inside, you'll uh, – throughout the course, you will take a casualty. That's where the uh, best medic portion comes in. Uh, we want to see kind of how they have a handle handle a casualty uh, performing aid. Once again, everything gets graded. Uh, they'll perform aid, and then they'll have to evac that casualty. And then at the very end of it, after everything's been graded, uh, teams will get it pushed out. There'll be an award for number one, and the gathering will be afterwards, where it's just food and brotherhood. Uh, everybody gets together, but it's gonna, it's going to be awesome. We have a chocolate operator coming for uh, to be one of the guest judges. Hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <Old> chocolate. <laughs> that, uh, Hell yeah. Uh, Corey is going to be uh, this, one of the uh, medical judges. I know Brewer's going to be a judge. Uh, you're going to be there. So, I mean, there's going to be there's going to be some other uh, guest judges, but it's, it's, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, no, it'll be a good time. It'll definitely be a good time. Um, how are y'all setting up, uh, like, 
possibly sponsorships and team sponsorships and stuff. Cause I, I know there'll be some departments where, you know, the department's not going to be able to go out of right. pocket, but if they get sponsored for, you know, for a team slot, uh, they'll, they'll definitely show up. So the biggest thing is uh, we're, we're not making it expensive. This is going to be a not-for-profit event. We, we don't want to make money off it. We want people to get together and we want this to happen. So uh, the team entry fees are going to be, are going to be small. It's going to be a, uh, I'm looking at teams of six to eight people. Uh, mm-hmm. six minimum and that leaves enough for an entry team a uh a sniper and a medic if you do eight um but just two hundred dollars and two hundred dollars for your team and that will cover t-shirts and kind of everything else we're looking at uh corporate sponsors to kind of fund the event to make sure we can get the venue at the sawmill uh pay for that to uh to help the t-shirts to help with food but those uh corporate sponsors can can uh can help out make the event happen set up a booth uh once again it's gonna be awesome to be there it's a great chance to where if you sell law enforcement stuff to set up a table and think about having all the uh all the SWAT teams across South Carolina in one place uh it's gonna be just a good opportunity so we'll have vendors with tents so if somebody wants to be a, a vendor how are they are they reaching out to you directly right now or absolutely so uh we are making a sponsorship form. Okay. And we'll uh, push it out on social media, but yeah, they can uh, they can reach us on social media at Valkyrie Tactical Solutions. Just uh, send us a message and just uh, you know inquire about sponsorship. But as I said, we'll push out that form, and hopefully, we're looking at uh, people you know to be fully sponsored to where we can keep those entry fees low because you know you shouldn't have to pay to share knowledge. You shouldn't have to. Uh, it shouldn't be a huge fee to come out there and to train. So right. we're. And I mean, we're not, it's not nothing in particular where you're, you know, teaching and instruction. It's going there. It's a competition. So hopefully with an entry fee that low, we should have, you know, most of the SWAT teams in South Carolina. For sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, I know some people, I mean, hell, I mean, team members might come out of pocket. Cause I mean, if you got, if it's 200 bucks and you got eight guys, you know, $25 a person. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that's nothing. Um, are you at least gonna um, so like gear list and like ammo allotment? Oh yeah, at least so, at, least, uh, at least gonna give them that much. Yeah, I, mean, I know so, you're not uh, you're not gonna give them every stage. No, I think no, that's so stupid. But there'll be a packing list uh, pushed out. Well, we we can also push out uh, some places to stay. I know right. uh, the sawmill school. If, uh, if you haven't checked out the sawmill, definitely get online check it out. It's a one of a kind uh, facility. But you know, as a, as they call it, a complex. But they even have a log cabin with with bunks. Yep. So um, that, a, that's an option. Do they even have like a campground area out there now? Or uh, like not, people I mean, came they, like an RVs and tents? Did people? Yeah, do I mean, that they, they have enough land where they yeah. can. Uh, yeah. You know, I'd have to talk with the uh, the people who run it. I'm sure they wouldn't have a problem for that competition. Yeah, I don't know if they've done that before or not. Um, but they have a helicopter landing pad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, a couple of, I'm sure plenty of teams will take their vans and, you know, some places have all sorts of vehicles, but uh, yeah, yeah, there's, we'll, we'll push out all the options to where uh, they can, but that's, that's a great, great question. We'll ask them. Yeah. Cause that's, there's always a couple guys. They'll be like, yeah, man, I'll just bring my RV. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, all right, man, cool. <laughs> Whatever. Um, all right. So besides the comp, what's kind of some plans through the, I mean, what is, Cause I mean, this year has been pretty successful with going to, uh, you know, all the kind of, 
I mean, y'all went to a big fire conference recently. You've been selling out of, you sold out of the K9 class. You've been selling out for TECC classes. Um, like, are y'all going to maybe fall into a pattern of, hey, we're doing TECC every month. We're doing K9 TECC yeah. every other month. Like, it, it, are we ramping up in a more regular schedule like that yet? Or are we, still we are. Kinda... So, you know, no, that's a good question. Uh, you know, we sold out of that K9 <laughs> class so fast and have, have had so many people ask about it, though. They already put another one on the books. It's going to be uh, October 7th and 8th. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ha- we haven't even advertised it yet. As I said, when we make the flyer, push it out. There's no doubt that it's going to sell out fast. We've had uh, a couple agencies ask uh, for quotes for us to come there. Mm-hmm. Um, e- even Florida. I mean, where they want us to come down to Florida conduct the class. So I mean, that's awesome. At this well, point, also... it's just a uh, coordination of instructors. <clears throat> right. Well, that's another thing y'all have um... that y'all started was getting y'all just got like a trailer to start mobile training. Yeah, we are mobile. So yeah, we got a, a tandem axle trailer. Uh, definitely helps traveling around conducting these classes for sure. Um, the so I'm excited for that uh, K9 class upcoming. As I said, uh, we haven't pushed it out yet, but it's on the calendar. Yeah. Uh, our, T, our TCC classes, we've been doing those every other month. Uh, mm-hmm. Our next one's going to be in September. But those those are starting to sell out. Uh, we have a K9 event in Anderson coming up uh, this month on the 21st. But it's a uh, fundraiser <laughs> event for, uh, for K9 uh, – the line of duty death that Anderson had. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Yeah. Didn't they just got, um, didn't they just get a big donation and got a big trailer made and everything for their team? They did. They did. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah. they got, they got vests and, uh, first aid kits and, uh, from when life sucks, WLS, mm-hmm. yep. uh, was a huge, uh, advocate of that. They got, they got most of them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, gosh, one of the, I'm trying to think of his name, one of the, uh, creamer, right. One of the uh, officers out there for Anderson, he uh, he donated the trailer. Awesome. So I mean, just just awesome stuff. Um, and he owns that's a uh, Dalen Creamer. Yeah. And he owns that uh, Laser Works, but uh, mm, they did huge okay. work between between uh, Dalen Creamer and uh, When Life Sucks. Yeah, they got that awesome trailer. It's decaled. They got vests and first aid kits. So that's a a huge huge thing for Anderson County. For sure. One, it sucks that something like that had to ha- like, yeah, a tragedy had to happen for them to get equipment. And that, like, we, when why, we talked about it earlier, it's usually yeah, like something why? has to happen. Right. Yeah. Because there's so many things where, especially in law enforcement, um, more just first response as a whole with the exception of, um, you know, very large agencies around population centers and whatever state that, that y'all are in. Um, but I mean, for the normal, for the average, you know, police department, sheriff's office, fire department, um, I think we need to see more uh, of stuff like that, but it needs to happen before. Right somebody yeah. dies or somebody gets hurt or some other catastrophe. Um, you know, people are always wanting to know, you know, where they can donate for something or how they can help 
Um, I mean, just look at those type of organizations. I, I mean, there's, there's plenty of places that have, uh, like, like groups that do fundraisers for their local law enforcement. I mean, it's, it's all across the state. You just have to find it. Like I literally, I like changed somebody's tire there recently yeah. and they were, they were, uh, they were from out of state and they like wanted to like tip me. <laughs> no, but hey, on the flip side though, I, I love seeing positive stuff come out of the, the law enforcement world. And yeah. we, we do, we do need more stuff like that. I mean, we yeah, just need I to bring, them, bring bring to light the the better side. Yeah, and I and I told them I was like, no, 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 I can definitely not do that. Um, <laughs> and but if you wanna if you wanna make a donation to the sheriff's office, yeah, like yeah. we have we have a like sheriff's office like foundation, um, and they usually gather money all year from different events and just people donating just in general, and then there's usually. Uh, you know, they usually do like one big purchase a year. Like, hey, do we need to, do we need to upgrade the, uh, because we because we run one of the lakes here in South Carolina, and it's like, hey, we needed a new boat to do to to do stuff on the water. Hey, we need vests for all the dogs, so the, we need to have special ballistic vests or anti-stab vests for the dogs. Yeah. yeah. Um. Hey, we want to. By every everybody everybody that's on the road, we want them to have tourniquets or like whatever it is. They do a big purchase every year, um, and that just you know, some the very small budgets that most places have for you know better equipment and better training and all that. The uh, and sorry, I I, I went blank earlier, but yeah, it was K nine Roscoe. His end of watch was a eight twelve twenty. Yeah. Well, he's that's on, a, and he and they put him on the trailer too. Yeah, so he's awesome. on their can he's on their canine trailer forever now. And they have that uh, memorial wall on the uh, on the trailer mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's really it's really nice. I remember when y'all posted that, I was like, dang. It's just even within our little state, there's just so much to where you know, as noble as all of it is, it's hard to keep track of all of it, unfortunately. Um, well, dude, I like it so. That's all the all the company, all the business side of things. Um, for the most part, for, the, for, the, op- to, yeah, yeah. for the open ones. We have a lot of closed classes. We just did a, uh, mm-hmm. a big active shooter rescue task force class for a fire department. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, stuff like that's closed to where we do just an agency. Um, right. And then we have the uh, our security side assessments that we still go out and do for businesses. Has, has that yeah. been has that been ramping up? Corey said y'all had done one. Y'all went somewhere to a local business, and I was like, mm, okay. I mean, I don't think enough people do that. I mean, I almost give out security right. advice for, you know, half my. Hey, you can do this, 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 and this, and I'm just like, man, I could be getting paid money on the side for this kind of consulting. But hey, good, good opportunity for education. I mean, it's, yeah. But uh, yeah, well, uh, sure. so that that's been picking up. Our church security details have been picking up. Yeah. So. Yeah, I yeah, always have people at church ask us about stuff too. Yeah, anyway. yeah, there's just so there's just so much. <clears throat> but so one thing that we always talk about, um, regardless if it's at work in your personal life, if it's with the dog, if it's in fire, is um, work preparedness. Um, yeah. I don't know what kind of notes you took down for this, um, but and by work preparedness, I- I'm thinking. 
if you want to go a different direction with this, that's fine. Um, I'm thinking like outside of uh, like actual work. I'm not talking about, um, you know, being combat be, ready at work. Yeah. Or, right, right. I mean, that's a part of it. Um, so it all, it all like, ties together. So yeah. your, your pre-readiness, like your, your food, water, uh, medical ammo, stuff like that. Um, couple, couple yeah. of notes, a couple that's, of notes I took was, uh, like my 24 hour bag. So if you break up stuff into like your 24 hour bag or 72 hour bag, you have a bug out bag, but, uh, my 24 hour bag goes everywhere with me. Um, and it, it's come, it's come in use at work. So that's where those kind of mesh together. It's not, it's not for work, but I've used it at work. Uh, right. And that 24 hour bag, having those sim- simple things, simple amenities, like your, your cell phone charger, your, uh, just every, you know, a lot of people say, Hey, what should I put in my bag? It's, it's easy to overload, but it's, it's having those simple things with you that you might need having that first aid kit in there, having a, you know, your, your toiletry bag, where if you do have an overnight stay or something kind of unplanned, you're like, Oh, you know, I, I have, I have something for that. Yeah. Uh, extra, extra batteries, flashlights, just, and it's, it's amazing, you know, just what people can think of to where that 24 hour bag makes a huge difference. Yeah. And that, I think that's cause I, I have had one for a long time. Um, and I always have like a bag comes in and out of the car with me um not every day and like my everyday civilian stuff i'm just running around town or whatever um but it's literally the same bag that goes with me at work or if i'm going out of town that one individual tan bag that anybody that knows me always sees me with um there's batteries there's (laughs) dude i had i had it i mean i had that thing before i was in the marine corps bro so yeah so it's there's always water in there. There's always a snack or two in there. There's always extra batteries. There's always a med kit. There's always a lighter. There's always pens, paper, like spare mags. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Always. Um, and but I mean, see, those been, little things are what makes the difference. It does make a difference because somebody, somebody's flashlight always dies. Somebody always <laughs> needs a CR one, two, three. Uh, I mean, I remember, somebody was bitching about their knife the other day and I even had like a kind of on the go knife sharpener and like the whole shift ended up sharpening their knives on my little, you know, little slide through ceramic, uh, you know, knife sharpener. But it feels good to be that motherfucker who's prepared. Yeah. So, but not a lot of people even have that shit. So one thing, and I literally just did this today and I think this is why it popped up into my mind immediately for kind of a, kind of a just random topic to talk about. Um, I kind of reorganized a couple parts of my car and I drive, I drive a charger. So I don't have, I don't have a lot of room in a charger. Um, but I set it up to where no matter what side of my car you are on, there is a IFAC. Nice. There's one in my driver door. There's one in my passenger door. There's one in my bag. There's one in the trunk. And then, and then on my person, I always have my little tourniquet with a little hard case you can put on your belt. And then I got, uh, I have like a pouch I wear on the front that has, you know, my notepad and my handcuff key and my Sharpie and all that. But there's a, uh, a chest seal 
and what did, what did I put right there? It's it's something that can be folded really flat. It's a chest seal and uh, like compressed gauze, I think. Yeah. So that's on my chest with a tourniquet. That's on. That's me. awesome. So no matter what, everybody knows because depending on how hot of a situation you're in, it's like a I'm not going to be able to get to the you're not you might not be able to get to a certain side of the car. Like what if you're taking rounds from one side of the car? And that's right. where your that's where your med stuff is, or that's where your extra ammo is, or that's where you put extra mags. You can go if it's on me in my bag, left or right, and in the back, you can get ammo and a med kit. And I just reset up my stuff to where it can where it can do that. And with med stuff, now there's there's gloves and masks in both of those locate or in all those locations. <clears throat> but <laughs> I, I love to. I'm I'm a nerd. But yeah. I love to hear how people set up their you know set up their vehicles. Well, in some in, with some you got to get freaking creative because, um, like I said, with the chargers you don't have a lot of room. You know, some people have CAD systems, some people don't. Uh, you know, some people have Explorers, some people have Tahoes, some people have the Taurus, um, and then it just depends. You know how. Uh, motivated or prepared that individual wants to be. I mean, I still run into people that don't have tourniquets. Wild. Like, it's like oh, I don't have one in my car. I just don't, you know, whatever. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how that, at this point people don't have tourniquets in agencies. You know, if you're if you're emergency services, military, fire, police, EMS, right. how right. are you not carrying a tourniquet? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It um, it, it's pretty crazy. So I mean, I always. I mean, I don't, you know, stand on that stump 24 seven. Cause I mean, you'll want to be, I mean, you'll want to be that guy, but whenever I see that opening, that opportunity, um, it's like, Hey bro, what's like in your med kit? Like, you know, where is it at? Have you ever had to use it before? Have you restocked it since you had to use it last time? Um, which I had to do with a gunshot victim here pretty recently. Um, you know, the good might... news too, you know, a lot of, uh, we, we try to tell people is if you use a tourniquet, a lot of uh, EMS agencies will replace that tourniquet for you. Mm-hmm. Um, also, if you write the company, if you bought it somewhere on your own, they'll probably give you another tourniquet for free if you used it to save a life. So, for sure. I mean, just those simple replenishing your stuff, like you said, is huge. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so that was just kind of a just just insight with my <clears throat> with how my car's set up because I mean, I can. I like having it right there at the door where it's, if I already know what I'm running into, I can grab and go right there. Um, and I'm mean, I, I like didn't... flashlights. You can never, you can never have enough flashlights. Yeah. I, uh, well, mine actually got taken on a scene the other day. Like I had to, uh, we had a gunshot victim where I had like a, a, a bystander. I was like, Hey, hold this light right here. Cause we were having to wrap her up waiting for EMS to get there. And, um, and then you know everything calms down, and I'm like, "That lady my took flash. my flash. That lady <laughs> took my flashlight." Um, you know, luckily it was like a very old department one. That's you know one of the old rechargeable ones they had done like a group buy for back in the day. Thanks, so thanks for the light, nerd. Yeah. So uh, yeah, good luck when that battery dies, though, bitch. Um, <laughs> got but her, uh, got her. but even then, you know, I still have you know the you know, the stinger flashlight that every cop ever has, you know, I still had that in the car. Um, Headlamps. Those are amazing. People, a lot of people don't think of that. I whipped mine out. Uh, I have whipped mine out since I've been here and they were like, yo, what the fuck? 
I was hands like, free bitches I was like I was like yes man like well that's what I needed that's what I needed the other day when I told that lady to hold my flashlight and then she dips out with it whatever um what else you got you got a little list so, of yeah, little yeah. things so, that people yeah, don't think talk, about talking about flashlights headlamps uh, yeah, batteries big. yep uh you know and I mean it's funny I, I call I've it given out yeah I've given out so many batteries yes so yeah. many cuz nobody carries around those CR123s they just don't yeah. They just don't. Oh, if you're ever in the woods, definitely a local map. I mean, that can even be for urban, but you don't you don't always have a cell phone to no. uh, to, have, to have guidance. So uh, definitely having a, a local map, a compass. Uh, those those are good things to have. They don't take up a lot of space. Well, and the the people that it's really it's really kind of stupid because if you think about it, the people that aren't. Uh, I mean, I'm very, uh, I'm pretty good, like directionally and like Land reference. Like now. I know, like I know, like my orientation. Like if somebody tells me, "Hey, which way is north?" Like ninety nine percent of the time, I can be like, "Yeah, it's that way." And they're like, "Well, how the fuck do you know that?" It's like, "Well, I came in on this road and I came in on seventy seven or twenty six and I went over here and I know I took a left, so that would be south." But, but then I always have a map or a compass somewhere when I don't even need it. But then the people that aren't directionally sound. Those are the motherfuckers that never have maps or <laughs> or right. a, a compass of any type or even know how to use the compass on your phone, which the compass will still work on your phone even when you don't have service. I know for iPhone users, like you don't have to have internet for the compass to work because it's still going to pull off of, you know, whatever GPS satellite thing it's pulling from. But yeah, land, land map for civilians is extremely easy, but something that is a lost skill. It's, it's a, sure. see, as simple as orienting your map. Knowing, mm-hmm. knowing which way, you know, which way is north. Yep. Um, even, even your hardball roads, if you're, if you're in the woods, you know that, hey, I can shoot a panic azimuth of this. I can hit a hardball road. Uh, this is going to be my most northern boundary. Just everything kind of laying out a, uh, a good foundation. So if you do get lost, it's, it's a good idea, you know, how to do it. How to, how to do recession to where if you can see two known points, how to uh, determine your point on the map. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of things, as I said, it's a lost skill. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and paying attention where you're going and on those maps, that can even give you <clears throat> reference points. Because, I mean, say... Cell phone towers. In anything, yeah. Well, that's another thing that a lot of people don't think about. They're like, oh, well, you can just ping them off a cell phone tower. I'm just like, well, not necessarily. Because say you have to ping a cell phone for whatever reason. Uh, missing person, stolen car. This is the last place they called you, text you, whatever. And you ping that phone. I know for us... Whenever it's like, hey, we last pinged them at this location, it's like, okay, well, what's the, what's the, what's the radius? What's the radius of that, of that ping? And they'll be like, oh, well, it's like 1500 meters. It's like, well, good fucking luck finding them because, you know, are you going to search a square mile? It doesn't sound like much, but a square mile is a fucking shit ton. Especially when you're lurking for one person, and you know half of it's wooded, half of it's you know uh, uh, you know suburban area or whatever. It's 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 not as precise as everybody thinks. Um, but where was I going to go with that? Oh, knowing reference points, like yeah. in first response, it's like how many times do you not give out a specific address for a certain call of service? And it's like, Hey, 
I'm at a traffic stop at the Walmart. I'm at a traffic stop, uh, you know, just past the elementary school. Um, or I'm going to be at the corner of, you know, this road and this road. You don't give them an exact, like, number address. Absolutely. So that's why people got to, I mean, I've, I usually call out reference points more than I call out exact addresses for stuff like that. All the, that's I mean, a, all, that's, that's all a lot time. easier, yeah. Yeah. Lot, for sure, a lot easier, and it's less to think about, and you can worry about whatever stressful situation is going on in front of you. Um, one funny side one I thought of, because because of where I work and on you know what region I work in, is uh, having some toilet paper. Yeah, and baby wipes. <laughs> <laughs> People don't think about that, man. It's like it's like, hey, you're you're a you're a civilian law enforcement officer. Why do you have a why do you have an e tool and a thing of Charmin, <laughs> bruh? <laughs> Bro, let me tell you. Yeah, and hey, those those baby wipes are are gold. Yes, yeah, it does make a difference when you're all comfy and clean like that. <laughs> but uh, go, going over, you know, the things you need. I mean, all, all that stuff that I've used the most of. But uh, you know, go over and over your basic survival skills. Fire. Do you have stuff to start a fire? Um, so you know, in every in every bag I have, I have your basic fire starters from a flint to a lighter to matches. Yeah. Um, and even if you have a for your outdoor bags, yeah, as simple as a toilet paper roll with with lint in it, um, right, with, which is awesome. So, for... so that that kind of reminded me of something when you said the flint. So some people get really confused, uh, or even not necessarily confused. It's just whatever they have determined is preparedness in their head, where it's like, oh, I need to make sure. Uh, okay. Food, water, med, ammo, and, uh, you know, how to make a fire. So, and they think like in a preparedness or survival situation, they think that they need to know how to rub two sticks together and fucking, it's like, no, bitch. It's usually go, as easy as a lighter. Yeah, like, <laughs> go to the store and buy a five-pack of Bic lighters, throw one, you know, in bag. each, yeah, throw them in a Ziploc <laughs> bag. You know, make sure you got one in your car, you got one in your house, you got one in your go bag, and you got one like in your work car. No, it's it's as easy as that. Like that's it. Like you don't have to. So I like, like you know, I, I like to try to keep my skills sharpened with the flint. But yeah, no, as you're right, it's as easy as a lighter. Yeah, I mean, it's a good skill to have, but that is a that is, bro. If you're rubbing two sticks together, <laughs> there's a lot. A lot went wrong for you to even get to that point. Like no, if it's your fault or not, like there's a whole bunch. If I'm rubbing sticks to get like, where, where have been to your lighter? <laughs> yeah, like we have matches. been. If I'm rubbing, if you see Aaron rubbing two sticks together, uh, it, we're probably in nuclear winter for, and this is probably like the third or fourth year post nuclear winter of the of the initial strike. Like that's how fucking <laughs> get bad. Like how bad it's got to be. <laughs> like. It's like, oh, I don't know how to start a fire. Like, dude, get a lighter. Like, it's literally <laughs> don't, at every... Don't reinvent the wheel. There is literally a lighter at every checkout in America. Like, if you're at the 7-Eleven, the Walmart, the, you know, the old stab-and-go in every town ever, like, there's going to be a lighter. It's not um, hard. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not hard. Going over, uh, you know, food and water. Uh, I carry a life straw. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you have any of those in your bags. For sure. Um, definitely, uh, 
always as you said a couple of bottles of water always i have a um, case i keep a case in both my vehicles actually that's good yeah and i there for there was a while there and i've used it you know to drink and for wound cleaning and a couple of different times you just need water um <clears throat> um but the individual bottles are a lot easier. There was a while there where I had like I kept a gallon in the back. Um, bulky. And well, it's bulky, and uh, most gallon jugs are not very uh, secure. So if you go if you go for a ride one night, um, all your shit's gonna get wet. So <laughs> it's um. Ask I would me definitely, how I know. <laughs> yeah, ask me how I know. But I would definitely encourage. Um, I mean, and you can get a case of water for like two or three bucks. Like it's not, it's another one of those things where it's like, oh, well, I need to know how to, how am I going to filter water? Do I need to get like a sock and then I put sand and then rocks and then pine <laughs> straw? And it's like, no, motherfucker, you buy bottled water. Like <laughs> we're not, this is not naked and afraid, bro. <laughs> I mean, if you want to test those skills every once in a while, like that's fine. But just there's some people that think of preparedness and they go straight to like extreme naked and afraid survival. Yeah, it's good to know for a long, you know, longevity. Yeah, as you said, there's been a uh, a catastrophic event where, like, years later, <laughs> where you would run out of all this stuff. I mean, but that's such a you'll fucking uh, figure it out by then. <laughs> yeah. So signaling, um, whether you have a a lot of people don't think about that. Yeah. Nah. With yeah, like mirrors or colored cloths or something. Yeah, so the colored cloth, the VS-17 panel, what they use for aviation. It, uh, the cool thing about that is it, it folds down to nothing, mm -hmm. but it's a high-vis panel. Um, I well, make wolf like, tails. Ooh, what wolf tail? Enlighten me. Ooh. So a wolf tail is a uh, chem light, but with a strip of VS-17 panel on it. So even if you're uh, law enforcement in a building, uh, you can throw a wolf tail there. If it's uh, during daylight, you'll see the VS-17 panel. If it's dark, then you'll see the uh, the chem light, the color of the chem light. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm big on chem lights, big on marking. Uh, it's hard to pull out, a, pull out a wrapper, especially in the tactical field, like in the military, and read what color chem light you have. So we used to put tape around the chem light. So if it's, uh, you know, whatever your SOG is, but if it's one strip, it's green. If it's two strips, it's red. Three strips is blue. Mm. Uh, is it IR? Mm -hmm. So... So uh, you can feel it in your kit and kind of know what it is before you crack it. Yeah. Uh, but that's always good for, you know, room clarity. Yeah. You know, as, you know green and red. Uh, you can, if you have a wolf tail set up, you can make a buzzsaw for a helicopter where you spin it around in a circle and it's yep. uh, highly, highly, highly visible. Yes. But, yeah, but yeah, those yeah. are good. Uh, flares. <laughs> so, you know, always keep, always keep flares inside your vehicle. Yeah, I don't I don't see flares as much as I used to. And there's so many things on the market where you don't need them anymore. I mean, they do have the uh, those rotor those rotor uh, lights that are LEDs. Yep. Yeah, you can set those up for like an HLZ even. You yep. can put them out, uh, spread them out on the road. Yeah. So yeah, as you said, the need for flares is uh, not as not as much as it yeah. used to be. Well, I think uh, that maybe man, the easiest would be just one of the emergency blankets. A little, yeah. little or like the space blankets that people call them. So that's um, my uh, first aid kit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those, um, when I was going through some of my stuff today, I was like, well, it's what I was like, it was like turned over or something. I couldn't tell exactly what it was. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's so much stuff like 
in uh, like in some of these medical kits you buy or you restock your stuff and it's just like a little square of shit. <laughs> and it, unless it's like turned over, you can't tell what it is. I flipped over. I was like, oh, that's one of those. So I've got like three or four of those bastards. Um, you know, and I mean, I never use them for anything. Um, <clears throat> but I mean, it's it's smaller than your phone. Yeah, it's tiny. It's smaller than your phone. You can put that anywhere. You can put that in your back pocket. You can throw that anywhere in the car. And, you know, and that little thing is going to fold out to, you know, they come in different sizes. Well, let's just say like a normal one is, I don't know, maybe like four by six. But it's, dude, if you're out in the woods or if it's nighttime and somebody hits that with a light, bro, it's going to stick yeah. out. It's going to stick out hard. And it's um, a huge for, uh, you know, stop the bleed for prevent hypothermia. So. Yeah, yeah. A lot, of people, a lot of people don't think about that. And they'll, they'll be somewhere, they're all stressed out, and they're hot and sweating. And they're like, oh, they feel cold. And they're just like, why are they cold? It's 100 degrees out here. I was like, because that motherfucker's going to shock, and he might fucking die. That's what it means. I was like, you need to cover this man up. Just, <laughs> just one of those things, man. Just people don't. It's just one of those things. Just people don't. It's just simple simple knowledge. It's doesn't. This isn't. It's not rocket surgery, as I call it. Um. Basic, basic stuff. Um, anything else on just work prepared? Well, I mean, kind of work. I, I mean, it all kind of goes together in your personal and work. Uh, but, I mean, it's useful for both. I mean, especially, man, how prepared you got to be when you got young'uns running around. <laughs> bro. Yeah. Bro. Like, that's why, like, <laughs> when I... When I uh, when I got my new car, I was like, okay, I got to go with the, I got to get the four door Jeep, not the two door Jeep. Cause I got a, uh, when I'm running around with the babies, like I need all the space I can get. No, you got, and then you got hand sanitizer, baby wipes, uh, extra yeah. food for them. Yes. Um, Cause they always want snacks, bro. Golly. Snacks. Snacks. Always want snacks. Snacks. <laughs> <laughs> you see the video with that girl and just that yeah. little bit. Snacks, yeah, uh, it's all about Dude, the snacks. That's literally every kid. Um, yeah, so yeah, bro, if you got kids and you don't believe in preparedness, I, I got we need to we need to we never come to Jesus if you don't believe in preparedness and you got babies. Holy shit, you better have I, extra, uh, you better have extra clothes, you better have extra diapers no if they're shit. still doing diapers. Yeah, you better have, you better have, uh. Man, and up uh, up where I live, we have the Walmart and the Lowe's. They have um, like reusable grocery bags that are like thicker plastic material. Yeah, have you, yeah, have you seen? Too, have yeah. you seen those? The thick so, Walmart bag. Yeah. So I'll get it, dude. If you don't have some of those, like in the back pockets of your uh, of your front seats, you know, like if one of your kids starts feeling sick, hey, baby, grab a bag. Grab a bag. Grab one of the bags. Uh, you know, because the little thin ones that we grew up with, like God forbid, you start throwing up in that bastard, and it's got a hole in the bottom of it. <laughs> <laughs> that almost makes more of a mess if you just threw up ah. on the floor or out the window. But that's good stuff. Yeah, so many l- little levels of preparedness is just so many people don't think about. <sighs> Let's see what else do we um, want to one, on? one of the really cool things is uh. You know, even as simple as, and we talked to canine officers and handlers about it, is having a, a water key. You know those uh, four-way commercial water keys you can have? Yeah. 
but putting one of those on your kid. So if your dog is getting dehydrated or overheated, so you can, you can get go to any commercial building, right? Yep. And get a and turn on the faucet because without these commercial buildings, they uh, they take off the handle. So yeah, having that water key to turn on the water is crucial. And you mm-hmm. know, if you don't have that, then having either wrench or needle nose pliers to kind of yeah access that. Yeah, yeah. And if anybody doesn't have a Gerber in their car, I'm not saying you need to have it on your person. I have carried it on my person before. But if you do not have a multi-tool in your car, you're wrong. Thing is, no, I think it's money. You are fucking wrong. <clears throat> um, duct tape. Ooh, dude, yes. Ooh. I I wish I had duct tape the other day. Because, um, uh, so with my little, this was kind of a lesson learned. Um, so I had... Uh, rolled gauze and medical tape in my little med kit I keep in my door. Um, had a gunshot victim, uh, you know, kind of cleared the scene first, made sure there was no threat, all that. Ran back to the car, and we were, we were really close. I mean, I just had to run like 10 yards back to my car. And uh, we start bandaging her up, you know, tried to plug up the hole as good as we could. We were as, you know, because of how, uh, large she was and with the lack of details i was getting on scene there was no telling if um you know it went all the way through was it a nick how many times did she get shot all that kind of stuff um so i knew ems was really close i was like all right i'm just going to get this covered up the bleeding's not that bad so i start wrapping around her midsection and all i had was two inch wide rolled gauze and it was probably maybe four or five feet long, maybe four to six feet. And because it was so thin and because this, this person was obese, it was like, I couldn't get like good coverage. So I got rid of that. Uh, tried to just use the tape, had weak tape where if I just had duct tape, if I just could have done just around a duct tape around this girl. I could have been fine. Um, that tape is now I know, you know what I can use it, not use that for. But I replaced my smaller things of rolled gauze with uh, with larger compressed like gauze roll that I had. Um, I think it was one of the things I had from Recon, but it's a four inch wide, and it's like compressed and sealed, but it'll still you know roll out or pull out. Um, as I needed. So it's just one of those things where until you test it, you don't really know. So I know if I'm working on a bigger person, that two inch gauze ain't going to do shit unless I'm stuffing. Um, which even then I might replace all my two inch gauze with four inch. So rolled gauze or folded, but, um, that was kind of my lesson learned from one of my most recent kind of incidents. Um, so yeah, always always kind of reassess your preparedness, your levels of preparedness. It, it, it's it's constant, like, man. Yeah, it it is constant. And even hey, summertime I need this, wintertime I need that. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, if I'm I always working... I always carry my uh in the wintertime, I always carry my ninja tops. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the military, there's uh you know, we talk about layers. Yep. And having that kind of that poly layer uh yep. over over the uh the waffle or under sorry, under the waffle. Right. Um but yeah, those those layers are a big a big deal. Yeah, no, it makes and a difference. Making sure a lot of people don't know how to layer too. You know, putting cotton. You know, like don't don't wear cotton. Wear something moisture wickening. Right. 
Yeah, because he'll be man. My beanie. Oh man, dude. Yes, yes. (laughs) My beanie is like number one. Yeah, yeah. I always have to have a. Yeah, I think my beanie stay. Yeah, that stays in the car during winter months. Um, Because I mean, especially in first response, like you don't know how long you're going to be on a scene. I've got I've got a few beanies. I've got you know definitely uh, one of my bags, one one in the vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. And that just those levels of preparedness will help you whenever you're on scenes for extended period of time or yep, gloves. say you're say you're gonna be on a perimeter for eight fucking hours, like you don't hand warmers. Yeah, I usually don't I usually don't mess with hand warmers. I usually I usually suck. <laughs> yeah, I usually man up when it comes to gloves. I don't I'm gonna have like my basic, you know, the all you know, blacked out uh mechanics gloves that we all have. Um yeah, gloves I usually don't because I mean we're in South Carolina. You know what I mean? Um, if I was somewhere else, colder, you know, I'd probably get bit by that once or twice and I'd fucking learn. But I usually don't worry about that too much here. And besides that, I'm one of those weird guys that doesn't like gloves on my shooting hand. So mm, I'm yeah. so I'm running around looking like Michael Jackson rocking the one glove in the winter. <laughs> but anything else on preparedness? I mean, even down to at the house having a, you know, we talked about water already, but you know, at the house, I always try to have 72 hours worth of supplies at least. And that's for the family. So one gallon of water per person per day. Yeah. Um, just, just little things you can have. Uh, and you're just trying to have that good three day supply at the house. Yeah. Well, I mean, all these categories, like it can be, you know, whatever you're, if you got a 24 hour bag, if you got a 72 hour bag that you always carry around, what you have at work, what you have at the house, um, even how you prepare, you know, your significant other or your kids. I mean, it's all the same. Everybody needs food. Everybody needs water. Everybody, everybody bleeds, uh, medication depending on if it's prescribed or just maybe something you take every day. Having Tylenol Um, Motrin. Yeah. They're just general, just yeah. general comforts like that. Just because there's some people, a lot, actually a lot of people, um, you know, you throw a wrench in their life or they have the slightest bit of discomfort and they just fucking, they stop fucking thinking. Like they just, they just shut down. So that's from those, not, uh, not enduring the suck. Yeah, no, it's not. Um, but I mean, you can't expect, you can't expect everybody in your life to be like that though i mean is everybody going to be just a prepared robot and just is in and is going to be super passionate about it like us no no they're not um and and especially not your four-year-old children like you know what i mean it's just not going to happen so we're going to wrap this up by bitching about blue falcons Mm. And we're going to explain what a blue falcon is for any of y'all that don't know. I'm pretty sure everybody that listens on a regular basis does know what a blue falcon is. Um, and I guess don't we'll just kind of just don't, yeah, just don't be one. Don't um, be a buddy fucker. So, yeah, so that's what a blue falcon is. It is a buddy fucker. You are, you know, screwing over the team, screwing over your friends, screwing over your family. Uh, it's just, it's usually a selfish person to whatever degree. Um, if it's in the workplace or just in your, you know, personal social life. Um, but I want to talk about it specifically, 
um, in the workplace as a first responder um, and as a service member. Um, one thing that I wanted to point out and how some people get caught up in this a lot, not so much in the military, depending on you know what your job is, where you're at, um, but in first response, especially especially with law enforcement, there is a huge dichotomy of you kind of being the lone ranger and kind of doing your own thing and then having to work with, you know, multiple deputies, maybe a couple firefighters and EMS in a, in a, you know, a high stress situation. Um, so, you know, cause I mean, most of the time I am by myself, most of the time I am on calls by myself and, you know, Aaron is doing Aaron and I'm handling stuff that I was trained and how I think it is the best way for it to be handled. But then, you know, with that incident we had the other day, I roll up there by myself. We get shots fired out of nowhere. Hey, shots fired, shots fired. I need some more people over here. Uh, you know, within 30 minutes, there's like 30 people there. So you got to be in that mindset of, you know, thinking for yourself in some situations, but then when it's time to be a team player, you gotta, you gotta change, you gotta change gears and you can't be a little selfish bastard, which is usually what just all a blue Falcon is. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to hit on that kind of dichotomy first. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. D- don't be a bitch. So, uh, you know, definitely, as you said, don't fuck your team, handle shit at the lowest level. Uh, you know, I, I call it policing your own, but yeah, if you can, if you can handle shit at the lowest level, Police up your own guys. Uh, don't be afraid to have uncomfortable conversations. Uh, that, that's one of the biggest things. People, people are bitches. Don't be afraid to have an uncomfortable conversation, uh, holding somebody accountable, talking with them. Don't don't be so fast to pass it up, uh, throw them under the bus. Um, to me, I mean, those are those are big things that stick out to me. To not being a blue falcon. Um, yeah, I think a big a big one that I've been seeing recently, and this is why I wanted to bring it up and I wanted to have this conversation when I had somebody else on the podcast is in a, on a shift. Um, And this is for, I guess this would be probably pertains mostly to fire and law enforcement if you have a shift so you're looking at depending on where you're at you're looking at like a fire team to a squad size of men and women um that is your team it doesn't matter what uh you know if you're the same the way we work we're the same shift but you're working different regions there's some places where your shift is your region because you know that county or that city is just that big but we have one shift for a whole county and then we split it in half and then we kind of go our separate ways, but you're still the same group. Like we still are in the same series of like our numbered indicators, right? Like our unit numbers. So a couple of things that I've seen recently uh, just within my department and I've heard of some other people's other people in other places bitching about it. Okay. If you are on a certain team, that is your team. Um, I don't care if you like working DUIs and you get more DUIs at night, so you want to switch with somebody and another shift 
So where, you know, you can work nights for a solid month or two, or depending on whatever your rotation is, your obligation is not to fucking DUIs. If you're, if you're on a shift and this is just, yeah. this is just a law enforcement example. And then you can give another like fire or, you know, maybe some experience you had out of 82nd with something like this. Your mission is your fucking team and responding to calls and handling what's happening that day. DUIs is not your fucking goal. You're not a fucking traffic unit. You're not on, you know, some DUI grant. You are a, you are on the road working calls for service in your county and region. So you stick with your team. Another thing that arises a lot in first response is fucking overtime. Now, overtime can be from personnel shortage. It can be from special events. Um, I mean, name it. Uh, you know, say your chain of command allowed two people on your shift to take vacation at the same time, and then that puts you behind. So then you got to do twice as much work, and then you're not always going to have somebody from another shift cover for you. So even though you might not be working overtime, you can be shorthanded in your workload, your daily workload, or your shift workload is double, triple of what it usually is. <clears throat> You got to fucking think about that and think about your team because when they are overloaded and say the same two people per shift are always working overtime when you have seven people on a shift, why are those two people always picking up the slack when all of you are the same rank or indicator or whatever? Um, that is something I see regularly in law enforcement, no matter what part of the state it is, no matter how big the department is, um, just don't, just don't be a selfish bastard. Like, fuck, like spread out the, spread out the pain. I mean, that's what you're in. That's, that's part of the game for the military and first response is fucking sucking up the pain. Um, and the only way to have less pain is to fucking work together. Um, you got any examples of stuff like that? I kind of went on the soapbox for a little bit because no, it's something good. that's it's something that's happened to to me personally recently. I mean, just just everything I have kind of reiterates what you said. You know, <clears throat> stop, stop thinking so much about yourself. Think about your team. Everything that you do should uh, your team should be oriented, and that that goes to the whole team life concept. Um, you know, I personally feel guilty when I call out of work because I just think about you know. You know, I think about the team. How, how's my crew? How's my crew doing? Who, who's filling in? Who's riding in my slot? Where, uh, you know, that's somebody who may may not normally ride ride with them. So, you're you're inadvertently throwing a wrench in you know how your team operates. Um, so yeah, I, I don't have any just specific examples, but uh, just kind of everything you do, keep your keep your uh, team in mind. That team life, that team concept. Yeah, and I think with um. Dependent on your role um, and even like deployment experience in the military and then kind of the different uh, – uh, it's like a different aspect of camaraderie that's present in uh, specifically the fire department because in most places you're, you know, you're living together, you're eating together, you yeah. know, you're taking the truck and going to the store, you're taking the truck and going to the gym if you don't have one in-house. I've seen people do that. Um 
the camaraderie is it's a different there's a different aspect to it in fire than there is to law enforcement where you know say most of the time unless you're in a shitty situation you might be by yourself um or with fire like you got like your truck and you're doing all your shit together it's like hey who's cooking dinner tonight you fucking break bread at the same table and everything yeah. law enforcement you can't and most of the time you can't do that if anything it's you know two of you at the waffle house at 4 a.m um you know so i, I guess i guess some people just kind of get detached from that uh camaraderie that's just so important in first yeah. in first response it's uh it's nice you know as you said that deployed life with uh kind of even the fire service where you can you can train together you can work out together you can eat together and all that does build that camaraderie and that uh that brotherhood yeah um but yeah it's a uh, it's crazy to kind of think outside the realm but just even even in you know as a crew if you guys have a you know we talk about deployed life but you have a small team that everybody pulls their weight it's no longer hey you guys are the private you're doing all the work if you're if you're a team uh, you know, it's split up. Everybody, everybody's working. Everybody's in the trenches. Um, you see that kind of with these smaller fire departments where you may have two guys on a truck and one's an officer. Well, that doesn't mean the other guy does all the work. It's two, you're, you're, you're two people. Uh, definitely. Uh, you should be right beside them doing everything. I understand that they have office work. They have some, you know, obligations like that, but when there's only two or three people, you have to pull your weight. I mean, it's, uh, that team life, that team concept is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, a lot of these things that, you know, it might sound like we start bitching about it sometimes. I know with, with me, with me and Bobby in particular, sometimes our, our, our tones get a little, uh, you know, we just start bitching about it. Um, but a lot of these things, so, something recently, that, that I've been noticing has been bothering me with, you know, if it's preparedness, if it's not being a buddy fucker, um, if it, if it's training together, if it's camaraderie, um, it's not one like age group. Um, you know, how often nowadays be like, Oh, well, you know, these damn millennials are so selfish or these fucking, these fucking boomers, damn boomer, uh, like just that generational, uh, what do we want to call it? Um, just that generational discrimination. Yeah, uh, every, or, everybody or, thinks the generation after them sucks, bro. It's always garbage. It's not a generational thing. It's a, it's a, it's just a overall mindset or just an overall lack of mind or an overall lack of positive mindset yeah. or productive mindset, and it goes across every color and creed um it, it like all these examples that we've given of people that are prepared and not prepared and good leaders and bad leaders i mean it varies all the way from somebody that's you know a fucking private or the most basic level in a firehouse and they're 18 19 years old all the way up to you know a command sergeant major or a sheriff um I mean, I've seen the best and worst from both of those, you know, if you want to put an age group on it, um, that just has not been present. And a lot of people, that's another kind of simple judgment that people uh, try to make. 
it's like, oh, well, it's just this certain age group. Bullshit. Like, because I've seen the best and the worst from the oldest, the youngest, white, black, Asian, doesn't doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Doesn't about, matter. Yeah, about earning your spot and uh, being a good dude. Yeah, it's just being a good human. Like, it doesn't have to do with any of other shit. It's just a, just being a good human. <clears throat> well, dude, we're almost coming up on an hour and a half. That's awesome. Um, anything you want to leave with? You know, our our uh, our motto: just you're only as good as your last objective. So, uh, don't don't live off legacy. Uh, it doesn't matter what you've done in the past. What matters is what you do now and yes. what you do tomorrow. So. Yes. Uh, you know, definitely earn your spot daily. And remember, you're only as good as your last objective. I like it, dude. Well, everybody, hope you enjoyed. We kind of covered. Um, I kind of, I kind of like to cover the board. I don't, I don't like doing one topic um, for any of these episodes. Not to say that we haven't done that, um, but you know, I like a good smorgasbord. Yeah, yeah. Hey. Uh, <laughs> what's the smorgasbord that's a funny one there's another there's another uh funny funny word we like to throw around over here a uh what is it cornucopia <laughs> cornucopia like that little that isn't that like the basket like a thanksgiving that's overflowing yeah, yeah, yeah. with the with the, the fruits Large of the abundance. season and... <laughs> oh man um so, or it's a fucking Catalina wine mixer. <laughs> Catalina wine mixer. All right, guys. Well, <laughs> hope um, you liked our uh, our Catalina wine mixer material. Um, as always, make sure to like, share, review, and subscribe to all things CTG Nation and Valkyrie. Um, we kind of push stuff out randomly. Uh, Valkyrie's a little bit more dialed in with their course load and um, – you know, you know what they're offering on a regular basis. Sometimes we drop in, sometimes we don't. Um, hopefully we'll be showing up to the next couple. Um, and I'll get with you offline about that, about getting, yeah, getting, getting Bobby and Kyle out there or, or getting some people from the sheriff's office and, and my side of the state. Um, or even if you can get your mobile training down here and do some shit. Um, would love to. Yeah. All right, guys. Hope you enjoyed it till next time. See ya.